have a funny clip to play for you of former Trump press secretary Kayleigh McEnany responding to a story that made her very unhappy, ruined her day. And the story is that an organization did a ranking of the greatness of presidents one through 46, the greatest president to the worst president. And you'll never guess who ended up at the very bottom of that list, Donald J. Trump. And that, of course, is going to make Fox News hosts less than happy. And that's indeed what we saw play out. So I'll break down more on this ranking after this. A new ranking, and I'm going to add, in my view, a highly questionable ranking of presidents, is turning heads after Biden came in higher than both Donald Trump and Ronald Reagan in his wildest dreams. The survey was done by the Presidential Greatness Project, who claimed to be the foremost organization of social science experts in presidential politics. They may be the foremost example of the disconnect between ivory tower academia and real people. That aside, Abe Lincoln ranked First, okay, fair. Then comes Obama at seventh, and Biden came in 14th, actually beating Ronald Reagan, who came in 16th, and Trump dead last. Look, Lisa, where to begin? This is infuriating in so many ways. 154 respondents, they are the ivory tower elites who in no way represent the view of the American people. No, but it, it also goes to show you, though, how history can be written and some of it can be built off a lie as well. But no, this list is bogus. Everyone knows that, you know, Obama's not that high. He was a terrible president. But I, I think on this <laughs> president, sorry, I think on this, this is just my thought bubbles. You don't want to know what goes on in here. It's a lot. Okay, so before responding to this myself, here is this from The Guardian. Donald Trump finished 45th and rock bottom of a list ranking U.S. presidents by greatness, trailing even historically calamitous chief executives who failed to stop the Civil War or botch its aftermath. Worse, for the likely Republican nominee this year, his probable opponent Joe Biden debuted at number 14 and notes that this ranking considered responses from 154 scholars most connected to the American Political Science Association. So, according to the Fox News host, these are just woke elites being stupid, and Trump should be at the top of the list, even though they have spent their life uh, learning about and becoming rather informed on the very relevant subjects that would help you make such a determination, but that scholarship is nothing because they're woke elites. Okay, so my takeaway on this is I do think it's important to note that the ranking system, the methodology had to take into consideration the time in which presidents were president, the context in which they were president, what decisions was it even realistic to expect them to make or uh, I should say what decisions were at their disposal, what were they dealing with at the time, and then within that context, how good of a president were they? And that is a really difficult ranking to do. I understand that for sure. And that's why even more interesting to me is Joe Biden in this. And it's a reminder of what I talk about a lot in the show, especially recently, that if you can pierce through the noise a little bit, and if you can see past the one subject that it seems all of the media is dedicated to spending all their time talking about, there's actually a lot of interesting insights to derive from Joe Biden's presidency and a fact-based um, observer 
I think comes to the conclusion based on the facts of Joe Biden's presidency that he's been one of, if not the most successful president in modern American history, most effective in decades. And that is really notable. And so when I say the one subject, I'm sure you know what I'm referencing. It does seem that there is what I think you could fairly call an obsession with Joe Biden's age. And before I get into what I mean when I say he's been such a successful president, let me just let me just quickly give my disclaimer, okay? I am anything you're about to hear is not an attempt to invalidate you or your feelings or your concerns. Unless you're MAGA, then I'm trying to invalidate the heck out of you. <laughs> no. Um, but genuinely, if you have concerns about Biden for any reason or this election or his age in particular, I'm not trying to invalidate those concerns or say they're irrational or say don't believe your eyes or um, say you're going to be the reason that democracy dies if you talk about this too much. No. But I think, especially for media pundits who have a responsibility, for anyone with any size platform, you have a responsibility to do the best that you can to emphasize things that justify emphasis and to try to be proportional in the emphasis that you give to certain subjects. And usually the way that I think it's uh, effective to make that determination is say, generally, which things impact people's lives the most and which things don't. And that's why I get so mad. It's not because I think you should shut up about it. That's not actually something you should care about. It's that I think a rational observer of current media coverage would go, there is a lot of discussion of this one topic of Joe Biden. But with any awareness of the other things that are relevant to Joe Biden's presidency, I think you would find that to be irrational how much we're talking about just how many years it's been since he was born. And again, we'll get to all the things that I, that I mean, but I just want to clarify why I get so angry when we talk about this. It just seems like a disservice to an audience of people who should be getting informed on things that matter in their lives. And so that does require a little discussion about any potential concerns as it pertains to the president's age, but that also requires discussion about the historic policy record. Those things impact the material well-being of people's lives in a way that the age never could. And yes, of course, there should be a lot of discussion about the other guy threatening the very foundation of our democracy. But let's set aside the threat to democracy because I talk about that so constantly for this segment and talk about the discussion that's not being had, had enough in the media about Joe Biden's presidency, and that is his policy record. So when people say he's been so successful, what do they mean? What is this conversation that is being ignored in service of the age conversation? When Biden got into office, we were in a crisis. Don't forget that. People try to gaslight you and be like, what are you talking about? The Trump economy was doing well, and then Biden came in, there was inflation, there was all these things, ignoring the pandemic. So there was a crisis, an economic crisis, social crisis, and public health crisis. That's what Biden took over. Then just a few short years later, we are economically d -d 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 dominating on the world stage. 
still lots of problems, but we have outpaced comparable economies in a recovery, meaning if Biden's leadership is doing anything in overseeing this economic recovery, likely it's making it better because of our comparison to other comparable economies. And wages are now increasing, uh, adjusted for inflation at a rate that is stronger than they were before the pandemic. So just really hear that for a second. Wages are growing faster right now than they were when Trump was president before the pandemic. And this recovery meant 14 plus million jobs being created on Joe Biden's watch, uh, job growth again being stronger after we recovered all the pre-pandemic jobs than job growth was whenever Trump was president. So even after we recovered, job growth stayed stronger than it was when Trump was president. There are other topics, non-economic, like crime. Crime started to spike in 2020 when Trump was president, continued spiking because of pandemic conditions. And then now is back to pre-pandemic levels and is at 50 year lows in some places like Detroit. And we won't even get into all the other random things that had to be addressed post-pandemic, like inflation. Now that's all the way back down. The inflation, of course, being caused by recovery efforts under Trump and under Joe Biden. Again, people like to pretend like somehow only recovery spending happened under Joe Biden, which is rather absurd. And there were economic aftermaths of that recovery that was necessary because of the pandemic. But supply chains had to be addressed all the issues that were being faced on that front and of course wars beginning that contributed to especially energy inflation and then you get over into the policy record you could say well all that was just by happenstance oh that was going to happen anyway we're going to have that incredible economic recovery that outpaced other countries no matter what but then you look at policies that directly impact our economic situation you start thinking oh, maybe this had something to do with it for example, the American Rescue Plan, right when Biden got in, being able to mobilize a strong response to help uplift people and uh, pull the country out of the crisis to get us back to normal. The infrastructure law later on, a bipartisan piece of legislation in such a divided time, the largest investment in infrastructure since the Eisenhower Highway Program, roads, bridges, broadband, clean and reliable drinking water, the Inflation Reduction Act, largest investment in history, history in green energy, uh, the lowering of prescription drug costs by allowing Medicare to negotiate drug prices and capping the cost of insulin at $35 out of pocket per month. I was sitting with someone, by the way, the reason I'm saying like that is because I know some people feel like, oh my gosh, we're going through this again how many times i was sitting with a friend the other day and i started ranting about this subject so you can imagine how fun dinners are with me um and as i was going through the list they started saying it in sync with me because they've heard me say it so many times on my show so uh that's uh that's how often i go through these things the chips and science act of course investing in american manufacturing but these jobs they just came out of nowhere no policies matter um, the PACT Act, expanding veterans' health care, the gun safety bill, the first major action on gun violence at the federal level uh, to this degree legislatively that we've seen in years, I think decade plus, enshrining marriage equality into federal law, the most student debt relief of any president in American history. And Biden has been the most pro-union president 
in a very long time, potentially like a century. And that is super important, especially to progressives. And he promised to be very pro-labor. He has been very pro-labor. And that means, yes, showing up on the picket line, a very symbolic show of support, getting attention to the UAW strike and showing that the U.S. president was with their demands and also uh, actions that his National Labor Relations Board have been taking that have been incredible, among other things. So while Biden was overseeing an economic recovery and getting the country back to normal after this pandemic crisis and all the problems that came of it, there were also all of these historic policies being implemented that actually impact the lives of Americans. So then you think about all that. Trump threatens democracy, historic policy record, managing world crises, is it really applicable to this moment to put all the emphasis on how many years it's been since he was a crying baby? <laughs> trying to think of a new way to say it. Since he came out of the womb, I don't know. Um, no, would be my answer. It's not that you can't observe and talk about it, whatever, but especially to those who have responsibility to emphasize things that matter to people, namely those in the media, I think we're messing up and I'm putting myself in this, even though I'm not messing up on it. <laughs> um, I'm doing my best to wrong. Wait, no, <laughs> to right. Nope. To right all of your wrongs. There we go. That's what I was trying to say. People in the media. No, I'm kidding. I, I understand people talk about it. So then you talk about the fact that people are talking about it. Then you talk about how so many people are talking about it. And then it just goes on and on and on. But other things matter too, people. And so my request is, Talk about those two. Judge Ryan had said that he present. Oh, because he's a lunatic, it means it didn't exist. Yeah, this is Donald a judge Trump who decides listen. cases based been, on emotion. Okay. I think emotion is hot at the table and it is yes, not it emanating is. from me. That was a little foreshadowing of the clip that I'll play for you in full. But first, of course, this comes from Fox News' The Five, where the wonderful Jessica Tarlov is the one rational voice and uh, one liberal host on this show. And it was good to see her point out there that not just in this discussion, but many, many times emotions are driving the argument, often very irrational emotions are driving the arguments coming from the people who sit around her at that table while she's calmly presenting facts. And it's interesting, especially given that these are the individuals who proclaim to put facts over feelings. I think the phrase went not so much. Lots jam-packed into this discussion. Here it is. What do you think the business community is actually looking at it? She says it's no big deal, but Kevin O'Leary says it's an atrocity. I, I'm not sure. I think it'll probably, we'll have to see how it plays out on the appeals court, and that's what everyone is waiting for to see, right? Because the state will have to prove exactly who was the victim in all of this, and I am assume they've thought about this long enough that they have a good answer for that. Um, but basically, everyone who is defending Donald Trump in this, from Kevin O'Leary to some folks here is saying it is okay to falsify your business records, to issue false financial statements, to commit conspiracy to, for insurance fraud. 
When he fraud? goes out there, where's the fraud? The fraud is, and David Brooks lays this out really nicely. He was on a weekend show. He says, you can't have three sets of books. You can't have the books for the bankers. So that's Deutsche Bank, who, yeah, is happy with all this. Then you have your IRS books. And we know that you're supposed to tell the IRS the truth. And then you have a, a, a set of books with the real numbers, I guess, which is what Alan Weisselberg had. But Donald Trump continually. There were three sets of books. Where do you get that from? Uh, where do you get that from? That's Three part sets of what Judge had said that, that he presented. Oh, because he's a lunatic, it means it didn't exist. Yeah, this is Donald a judge Trump who decides cases based been, on emotion. Okay. I, I think emotion is hot at the table and it is yes, not it emanating is. from me. So, since Donald Trump ran the first time, he has been making this argument. If they could do this to me, they could do this to you. The average person is not inflating their wealth by $800 million to $2.2 billion. They're not sexually assaulting women. They're not storing classified documents in the toilet. They're not fomenting an insurrection. Mar-a-Lago, you remember the documents? Let's focus on this case. We can do a lot. You always do that. No, no, no. It's not. Really? You can say Judge Edgar on this, too. When we're focused on one topic. We're focused on one topic. And yes, it does matter. Falsifying your business records. And then they just dogpile. And we see this a lot. Number one, we see a lot the attempt to shut up Jessica Tarlov when she's making really good points that could frazzle the viewership and trying to make her, make her stop being able to communicate those very accurate and compelling points. But then also the justification for cutting her off is often you're going off of the topic at hand. But when Trump comes up, just like how they reference all of their criticisms of Biden often whenever he comes up, it's fair to say this story comes within the context of a broader story about Donald Trump. And let's talk about that broader story, which is what she's doing there. But in a bunch of clips, since we watch a lot of them, um, most of y'all know this, that allegation will be levied at Jessica Tarlov. Stop, you're going off topic when she'll bring up something about Donald Trump, especially the civilly liable rapist element of Donald Trump. And they very much do not want to discuss that, which I think betrays a lack of an ability on their part to defend Trump as a complete candidate. They can defend him through the lens of nicely selected cherry pick stories about some random person here in this city. And that's the left. And that's why you need Trump or some other story over here that if you just focus on the details, then I can sort of make Trump look good over here. But if you just talk about him as a complete candidate, individual, and former president, they really fall apart in their defense of him, which is why they say, stop, you're going off topic. Uh, don't reference all the different descriptions of him and his record. And then the other interesting thing about that clip was the fact that um, Judge Jeanine Pirro references a narrative about Judge Arthur Ngoron that they created as justification for that narrative, essentially. So let me explain why, what I mean there. She says that this fraud decision is ridiculous. So then Jessica Tarlov points out that it's not ridiculous because of reasons. And in those reasons, she cites something that the judge said. Then Judge Jeanine Pirro says, well, the judge is deranged. But the reason that you've explained him to be deranged is by saying that this fraud case has been ridiculous. But you haven't 
proven that the fraud case was ridiculous. So you're relying on the assumption that we already either think the fraud case was ridiculous or we already think that Ingeron is a lunatic, but you haven't been able to prove either by itself, right? And then we see this a lot in the right wing. You build a narrative, then you reference that narrative as proof of future arguments, but you never prove the original narrative. Okay. And then the third thing I wanted to mention on this was that it's really important to bring up to people if you're in arguments, um, as we saw play out there, the point that any other person, you would never try to defend the things that are being alleged here. So just without Trump in the conversation, do you think it's appropriate to falsify business records? No, if there are laws on the books about that as there are, let's prosecute them. People are okay with that when the name's not Trump. Or if you steal classified documents and then obstruct investigation and refuse to give them back after a bunch of requests and then potentially damage, destroy evidence to cover up the fact that you were doing that, should you be held accountable? Everyone would say yes, but you insert the name Trump in there and then they have a problem. Would you find it meaningful and disturbing if you were talking to somebody and found out they were a civilly liable rapist? People would say yes. If Joe Biden were a civilly liable rapist, do you think Fox News wouldn't have a problem with that? They would, I can tell you. Uh, or if a Democrat tried to prevent a Republican president-elect uh, from becoming president after a free and fair election, do you think that Republicans would not feel prosecution is justified and think that that president should have presidential immunity and attempting to block the peaceful transfer of power would be totally fine in the case where a Democrat's trying to do that to prevent a Republican from becoming president? Of course not. They would want that individual prosecuted. Imagine Barack Obama trying to block the peaceful transfer of power and trying to install himself as president for more years after his term to prevent Trump from becoming president. They would have lost their minds, and so would have I, because that would have been horrible, like it was when Trump tried. So that's also important to point out. Hey, are you really saying you shouldn't be held accountable for business fraud? For uh, defrauding different institutions within the financial sector and the state of New York? Is that really something you think any old person can do? Obviously, the answer is no. One other thing I wanted to show you, since I brought up the civilly liable rapist description of Donald Trump, him being found in a court of law to have raped E. Jean Carroll, and that, of course, took place in a civil trial in front of a jury. And because of this, Mitt Romney, the Republican senator, is saying he will not vote for Donald Trump. I will not be voting for former President uh, Trump. Um, and uh, I mean, I, I must admit that I find uh, sexual assault to be a line I will not cross um, and the people I select to be my president. Uh, but I also disagree with uh, a number of the character issues that the president has demonstrated. And that is good. Good to see for sure. I want to invite you into a conversation that the bonus show, the members audience has been having. And when I say that, I guess I more accurately mean I've been ranting on the bonus show and uh, they've been observing. <laughs> so it's on the subject of Democratic Senator Joe Manchin. 
And I realized I haven't really gone on this rant on the main show for everybody to see. So let's let's do it. So and this uh, involves a clip from an interview last night with Caitlin Collins and Joe Manchin. And Joe Manchin has been handling this presidential election in a really aggravating fashion. He has announced he's not running for re-election in the Senate. And that led some to speculate that he was planning on running a third party campaign for president, which would of course be ridiculous and horrible because it could risk siphoning away votes from Joe Biden's candidacy against Donald Trump. And Joe Manchin says Trump threatens democracy, so why he would even consider doing such a thing, I don't know. But he did recently announced that he's not going to run for president. And he had been going on, if I'm not mistaken, like a listening tour, he called it, where he was touring around, listening to decide if he should run for president or something, and has been loving, loving oof, the attention that he's been getting because he's playing coy with the idea of running for president. Now, that is now gone. But during this interview, he refused to endorse Biden and said a bunch of things about the state of the Democratic Party, I guess, that I want to discuss. And it plays into a broader narrative about American politics that brings rage, rage, I tell you, boiling, fuming, lava rage. Okay, I don't know if that makes a lot of sense. And so let's discuss. But first, here is Joe Manchin on CNN. So said that that in a president, you're looking for someone, and you're you said who has the knowledge, has the function, and has the ability to to do that just there to bring this country together. Is Joe Biden that candidate? Well, that's what that's a Joe Biden I used to know. I mean, I, I and I've I've had this conversation with him and with his people that he's gone too far to the left. They've pushed him and pulled him and whatever, but that's not where America is. That's not where our country is. So I'm hoping the Joe Biden that we saw in 2020 will be the Joe Biden we see in 2024, if that can be done. If not, it's going to be a long road for everybody. Are you going to endorse President Biden? I'm not endorsing anybody right now. We're going to see what all happens. we still got plenty of time here. I'm going to do everything I can to help move them back to the middle and show them where the strength of this country lies where the voting block of the country lies and the extremes are going to be there no matter what. And I respect that. And I will do everything I, I can to make sure they have the ability to voice their opinion. What does it but say? The minority, but what the minority is, does not, 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 does not rule the day. What the does minority, it say that you're not endorsing President Biden? What should people read into that? No, no, I'm just, I'm, I'm, I'm trying to do everything I can to make sure that we have a pathway forward where the center this country is going to be represented, and that's the center left and center right. That's where the decisions, that's where people live their lives. That's the type of government they want. They don't want the extremes, and what we're seeing is extremes. Donald Trump is an extremist, and with that, there's people that are going in that direction. I still believe there's enough good Republicans and Democrats that want this centrist type of approach to governing. If it is President Biden and former President Trump on the ticket in November, what will you do? Well, we'll just have to see what happens. It's a long time before that happens right now. There might be other people getting in. They're still independents. You just might have uh, still a third party run from no labels. And we'll just see uh, what opportunities and what, uh, what uh, type of uh, options you have. All of us should be looking for that and then make the decision at that time. Okay. So 
Is it the case that what bothers me about clips like that is that Joe Manchin says we should care about the center in terms of the political spectrum? No, of course, I think we should. I love, love the center, great, wonderful. <laughs> what bothers me is that he plays into this, for lack of a more intellectual term, just let me say, stupid belief that Joe Biden is anything other than representative of about the middle of the political spectrum as the country goes. And we're going to illustrate that by going through, again, what we did already in a different segment. But what did I tell you? The media is refusing to talk about this, so I'm going to talk about 10 times a day. Uh, let's go through some of his policies, because that's what Manchin's talking about, right? Policies, that's what matters. That's what manifests the actual ideology of someone in the one place where it matters. What are they actually implementing? Is he saying that the American Rescue Plan, something that Joe Manchin voted for, was far left, was radical? Investing in the vaccine rollout, the child tax credit, pulling kids out of poverty, trying to get people out of the economic situation they were in, and that you can attribute millions of jobs coming from this very legislation. And this is a part of the broader picture of this economic recovery that was stunning. Everyone said, don't forget this. A lot of economists were predicting, and everyone on Fox News for sure, was predicting that a recession, a Joe Biden recession was coming in the very near future. And that just didn't come. And instead, we're seeing incredible GDP growth, uh, strong job growth, wage growth is now uh, increasing in a more significant manner than it was pre-pandemic under Trump, even adjusted for inflation. And uh, the stock market is breaking records. And inflation's back down to normal, healthy economic numbers. So the recession didn't come. And in part, it's because legislation like the American Rescue Plan. Is that the radical thing? The far left thing? Is that why Joe Biden's too far left? Because actually, Joe Biden has governed in a very moderate way. Also implementing progressive policies, but I just want to know what Manchin perceives to be so radical. Now, I know he was a part of the obstruction in preventing more of Joe Biden's Build Back Better plan, so maybe he's saying things like childcare, things like universal pre-K, things like free community college or dental and vision included in Medicare. Those are the far left, radical, extreme, leftist, socialist, Marxist, communist things. <laughs> maybe, I don't know, maybe. Uh, the infrastructure law, really, Joe Manchin, to clarify? Really? Is that what you're saying is so far left? I'm trying to have fun with it, otherwise I really do lose it and my members can attest to that i get very angry and i'll explain why this is so consequential in a little bit roads bridges broadband trying to address the fact that 10 million americans don't have clean and reliable drinking water are those things radical charging stations are those things radical joe mansion i want to know joe <laughs> I was trying to think of another rhyme and I just blanked. Uh, so just go and stop being annoying. <laughs> um, Inflation Reduction Act? You don't think the United States should be on the forefront of the transition to green energy, making sure that we can have 
powerful, strong industries in the United States and millions of jobs created here, leading the world so that they are begging us, how'd you do it? Because we're all going to have the transition eventually, but we want to be leading on that front. So again, these industries can be powerful, strong, and robust here in the United States. The Chips and Science Act, come on, man, I, I know he's not talking about that, investing in American manufacturing and uh, in chips specifically, manufacturing, making sure that we're not so dependent on other countries for that. The PACT Act, if you're saying that giving veterans health care who are exposed to toxin bur uh, toxic burn pits, then you're crazy, Joe Manchin. The gun safety bill was just wildly, wildly conservative. So uh, definitely it shouldn't be that. Enshrining marriage equality in federal law, definitely not that. And student debt relief that Joe Biden has done, um, I would assume not that. So what is it then, Joe? And there have been lots of other things, but that's the list I like to go through so my audience can sort of get it in their head. But that's not really a meaningful analysis for Manchin. It's appealing to almost an aesthetic or a satisfying answer. It's more satisfying for a lot of people, or at least simple, to believe, well, the reason why we're so divided and the reason why uh, this election feels so unsettling and aggravating is because, I don't know, maybe just both sides have sprinted in opposite radical directions and both of them should just pick more moderate people. Well, Joe Biden, again, is the moderate representation of both the Democratic Party and of the country. And as I always say, yes, there are extreme individuals on the quote unquote left. You can find extreme people across the political spectrum. That's just how the world works when you have millions and millions of people and you divide it into two sides. But the extremists are not getting into positions of power in the Democratic Party like they are getting into positions of power in the Republican Party and taking control of the entire Republican Party. And so equating the two and pretending like Trump going full authoritarian and MAGA being on board with it is at all in a similar conversation as some sort of progressive people on policy is crazy. And uh, I don't think Joe Manchin can substantively argue because I've never heard him do it. I just hear him say that. Oh, no, he's gone radical to the left. He's gone very, very uh, extreme leftist, but never cites a policy because everyone he would cite is so dang popular among the American people. He's not going to go up there and say, as I previously mentioned, that it's so extreme to cover dental and hearing with Medicare. Or he's not going to say, yeah, Biden won in an argument getting uh, insulin costs capped at $35 out of pocket per month within the Inflation Reduction Act. And I didn't want that to happen because he's going to want to take credit for that because those things are popular and they're good. And on and on we could go. There's all these things that he probably is aggravated with that he will never cite because he knows it's not actually popular and it's not actually representative of the middle of the country, of moderate individuals politically. But he becomes a much more unique and special individual if he can be the one with the answer to division in the country. Again, you could just make clear to people that right now, <laughs> lucky us, the Democratic Party is not succumbing to 
is not being taken over by extremism like the Republican Party. If that changes, I'll let you know. But right now, that's really hopeful. That means we just have to figure out the bleep and bleep going on in the one party, and then we can be back to a more rational political discourse. I say again, that doesn't mean people on the left don't go crazy. Some of them do, for sure. I'm saying the people becoming the most powerful are not actually representing those views. Yay, go us. <laughs> and Joe Manchin is doing a disservice to America by pretending otherwise. By pretending like Joe Biden is also really far left. You got the far right, you got the far left. Joe Biden, Trump, ah, it's kind of the same, so I don't know what to do. It's just, it's just super dishonest. And you're crazy, Joe Manchin, for it. I was happy that we had you instead of a, a Republican in the Senate. I was. I'm not one of those people who pretends like that it was just horrible that you were in the Senate at all. But uh, this is a really dishonest little attention to what you're doing. And if you do care about a democracy, like you say that you do, then cut it out, okay? <laughs> um, I will leave it there on this. Make sure you're subscribed to the YouTube channel. You can become a member at lukebeasleyshow.com slash membership.